it, there, it, there doesn't seem to be anything in sight. But, you know, we always talk about the business part of it and how it's affecting people in the business. But these people also have personal lives and they have things going on in their personal lives. They've got maybe their kids are home now all the time because there's not school. Maybe they had a family member that has COVID or that's, that's really ill. So they've got to keep going and trying to work their business and keep it going. And they also have all this other stuff going on in their life. Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. We so appreciate all the positive comments you've been sending our way. Today, I'm speaking with a 20-year franchise owner of a fast-growing concept called The Pizza Factory. But not only has she been a long-term franchisee of this company, she has become their CEO. Really dynamic company with over 100 locations, really community-focused, which is a beautiful thing. You know, they support local events and local charities, and they're big on veterans. They help veterans start their own business and Best of all, I, I really appreciate this one. They have a no bully program partnering with local community schools to prevent bullying. So you're not going to want to miss this episode. We're going to talk all about, you know, pandemic pivots and shifts and what it takes to, you know, be a CEO of a large, fast growing company, but still have your heart in an individual store and business and know the ins and outs of an operation. We're going to talk service. We're going to talk about training. We're going to talk about marketing and everything that's so important to run a successful restaurant operation. So stay with us. You're tuned in to the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. Powerful ideas to rock your restaurant. Here's your host, Roger Bodwin. Everyone knows that Smithfield Culinary has a full line of great ready-to-cook to ready-to-eat products from Smithfield and Margarita. But what else is cooking? Tap into the latest culinary trends and get inspired with new recipes created by real working chefs from across the country. Bring more to the table with flavors and new menu ideas your guests will savor. Visit smithfieldculinary.com or follow at Smithfield Culinary on social media. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. And as you know, these are engaging topics and guests that help restaurants rock their profits, build their brands, and deliver amazing guest service experiences. With me today is Mary Jane Riva. She is the CEO of a company called The Pizza Factory, fast-growing franchise. Welcome to the show, Mary Jane. How are you? I am good, Roger. Thank you so much for having me. Now, your friends and associates refer to you as MJ. Do you prefer that? I do. A lot of people call me that, so no problem. Either way, I answer to it. Welcome to the show, MJ. Glad you're here. Thanks. So as my audience knows, I always ask that question about your hospitality backstory. And for some, that starts at a young age. Some people just discover this business you know, later in life, and everyone's story is different, but take us there. Well, I actually started out when uh, 15, I started working at a donut shop back then, and I'm going to date myself. It was Winchell's. Oh, I and remember from, Yeah. And I worked there all through high school. And then I met this gentleman that I will call uh, one of the best influences in my life because he gave me an opportunity. And uh, that was to open up my own donut shop. So he gave me that opportunity when I was 20. So I had my first business when I was 20, kept it for three years. So he brought me into that world of uh, self-owner and or self-proprietor. And we moved on to pizza from there. I got married. And in 2000, we opened our first pizza factory in Southern California. 
And over the next 10 years, we opened up uh, up to five stores in that area. Some of the different areas that we were involved in is uh, area development for the company. I worked for Southern California. Um, I was also on the marketing team for the corporation and just kind of made myself involved in much as, as much as I could with the franchise through that time. And then in 2012, we still own stores now. In 2012, the owners were getting ready and they were the founders. They were getting to, ready to retire. So they approached my husband and I wanted to know if we wanted to buy the company. They wanted to keep it within the, the family of the franchisees. Mm-hmm. So we took a few weeks to think about it because we were uh, we were in our 20s or 30s. So it was something really to take a hard, long look at. And my husband said, uh, you know, what do you expect of me? And I said, nothing. And he says, then fine, you go ahead and do it. <laughs> and so from there, we took off and, and bought the company. And that was 2012. That is quite a story. You know, let's go back to age 20. And I'm understanding that you had someone that introduced you to the pizza business and allowed you to open your first business as a 20-year-old. Now, would you consider this person a mentor? Did they teach you the ins and outs of running a business? Did you have a business background in college, any of that sort of thing? Like critical skills, you can't just open a restaurant and expect to be successful. You need to have the business skills. You need to know systems and all that kind of stuff, finance, marketing, human relations. Like these are all important things. Tell us how you developed that education. You know, I I didn't go to college, starting with number one, with what you referenced there. It Mm -hmm. was all by working. I have been very blessed to have a lot of good people in my life, from my dad to my first boss at Winchell's, and to again Lou, who introduced me into being a um, an owner of a business at a young age of 20. And all of them had a big influence on my work ethic, as well as showing me and being mentors. And, you know, running a restaurant, you have to learn everything, marketing, bookkeeping, you have to learn it, whether you've had experience or education or not. And it, it just has something that's evolved. So I, I've never had formal training, I guess, but I've had a lot of good people in my life and I give a lot of credit to, like I said, my dad from the very beginning at 15 when I got my first job really instilled into me what a work ethic was. So I think uh, that's probably the biggest thing is the people in my life that have helped me to, to get where I am. Oh, that's great. That's a wonderful story. So you sort of a tagline, we toss them, they're awesome. So they're hand-tossed pizzas. So tell us about Pizza Factory's fast growth and what is the secret to the, you know, to that fast growth right now. Um, but before well, before we go there, let's talk a little bit about the pandemic because a lot of businesses, and I'd hate to say they were pandemic proof, but mm-hmm. a lot of business models were really well adapted when the pandemic hit. They didn't have full serve dining rooms. It's like they already had a significant, you know, maybe it was an online ordering business. They had third-party delivery in place. They had pick up and take out and all that kind of stuff. And pizza franchises and pizza independents all did pretty well considering, you know, what happened to the full service dining segment. Would you say that was your case with, uh, with your different operations? Definitely. Um, as scary as it was in those first few months. Yeah. Uh, I think that you're right. The model of the pizza industry with takeout and delivery, we had a jump on it, so to speak from the others in the, in this industry, but I'll tell you that when we first had this happen, what it was March now, a couple of years ago, the franchisees that were not on online ordering got on it really quick. 
they realized, you know, where we didn't have to try to get them to, to get online order anymore. They, they were chomping at the bit. So that was a big deal. Sure. But, you know, the franchisees, it, it was a scary time for everybody not knowing what was going to happen. So it was uh, a pleasure to be a part of a franchise where the franchisees were very open and understanding and listening and allowing us to give direction and lead them with the different things that were coming out, the different mandates. And, you know, we're very fortunate in that way that we have a great group of franchisees that are um, supportive of the brand and supportive and trust what we're doing. So that was very helpful. And, but we have, we've done really well. You know, we're up 20% from the previous year. Uh, and surprisingly, and we're, we're taking off on a big growth spurt as well. You know, right now we've got 11 deals getting ready or 11 stores getting ready to open within the first half of the 2022 and, and a lot of others in the and the works they're getting ready to sign. So we're very pleased with that. How many stores do you have currently operating? Open and operating is 105. And so we're, we're going to be pushing 120, I think, in six months very easily. Pizza Empire. So were you inspired? I mean, you made the jump from donut shop to pizza. Did you enjoy pizza as a food, as a concept? Was that very appealing to you when you started? Or it was just the opportunity that happened to you? You know, it was the opportunity. I think that for me, um, my personality is uh, driven by challenges and I don't ever look at anything as being a no, I can't go there. It has to be something that I take as a challenge and I'll figure it out. So it, the challenge of the restaurant business wasn't daunting to me. Uh, it was just a really big challenge to me, the marketing. And I think the biggest thing for me about being um an owner of a business, the big thing that I really like, which is going to sound crazy, is you're the result of what you get. If you're doing this, that, or that, you're going to see the results. And if you don't see the results, then you take another road. But you're so in charge of the marketing and the book. I don't care if you belong to a franchise or not. It's still your business. You still need to do what you need to do to run your business. And that, to me, I think is what really drives me as uh, the challenge of what, and I think that's really why we wanted to buy the company, the challenge of taking the brand from where it was in 2012, which had been kind of stagnant for a while. And then and then bringing in all the technology and making all the changes was a real challenge to me. And I just, uh, that's what kind of drives me. I'm glad we're talking about running it as a business. You know, I've been in this business for 23 years myself with multiple concepts. Pizza was my very first concept, oh. of course. So yeah, I'll, I'll share that story. I lived in Italy in the summer of 1988 and I ate a lot of pizza and I was really inspired by wood-fired brick oven pizzerias on every corner. And I never thought I'd be in the restaurant business. And then many years later, I saw an opportunity in a growing community and the restaurants that were there were marginal and the service they offered was nothing special. And I'm like, wow, you know, if I were to put this pizza place that I was inspired by right here, it would rock and roll. And I don't know anything about the restaurant business, but I do know business. I can run a business and it took off from there. And it became, you know, really successful and led to several other restaurants and different concepts as well. So I was really inspired awesome. by pizza. I enjoyed the food itself. And so, you know, that was kind of my story. But the point I'm making is I work with a lot of restaurants as a coach and consultant, and I see a lot of, and I also work with a lot of large food service suppliers. And I do see a lot of restaurants that the owners are working 
in their business. They're not working on their business and they're running it by the seat of their pants. And this was before the pandemic hit. And now it's more important than ever to put these systems in place and make sure that you're, you know, maximizing um, your staff training on a daily basis and product knowledge is so important and guest service is incredibly important and making sure that everything that goes out the door is as profitable as it can be and really running a business, not just running a restaurant. So that's always been my philosophy. It sounds like yours as well. Not answering your phone is one of the quickest ways for your restaurant to lose a potential customer. That's why your restaurant needs PopMenu's newest product, PopMenu Answering. With PopMenu Answering, your restaurant will never miss a phone call. PopMenu Answering is powered by artificial intelligence to answer the simple questions most people call in with, like, do you have outdoor seating? Or, what are your hours? This means the basic questions that keep your phone line tied up can now be handled without pulling a team member away from your in-person hospitality. Pop Menu Answering picks up your phone 24-7, 365 days a year, turning every phone call into an opportunity, all while reducing your labor costs and increasing customer satisfaction. Plus, Pop Menu's full collection of tools help optimize your restaurant's website and menu, streamlines your ordering experience, and assists in remarketing to enable you to build long-lasting relationships with your guests. Get help answering your restaurant's calls now with Pop Menu Answering. And for a limited time, my listeners can get $100 off their first month, plus lock in one unchanging monthly rate at popmenu.com slash rockstars. Go now to get $100 off your first month at popmenu.com slash rockstars. Yeah, you know, you, you're, you're totally correct on that. You can run circles and go around and you're not getting anywhere. And all those different hats that you have to wear. And the biggest thing for us, when you talk about Italy, which has amazing products there for pizza, for sure. You know, that's one of the things about Pizza Factory is when you talk about places like Italy, we make everything still in-house. Our dough is made daily we hand toss it, it, every product is fresh, nothing's frozen, nothing's commissaried. And then, and then you've got the community aspect of it that you, know, you can open a business and you can do all those things. But the big part about Pizza Factory and why we've been around for so many years is the community element as well. So running your own business to, to what started this whole conversation, you're right, it's more than just running in the kitchen and making a pizza. It's such a bigger picture. And when you get into it, you you learn really quickly that uh, if your if your idea was that you open the door and all these kids are going to work for you and then you're going to stand back, not going to happen. Um, you have to be hands on. It is your business, franchise or not. It is your business, and you can take the tools that any franchise might give you, but you also have to take your own community and make it your own, and be a part of that community and show them that the brand that you've decided to join is worthy of their business and that you're you're willing to give back to their community as well. Is there sort of a template? I mean, franchise franchise operators or companies offer obviously their franchisees a complete operations manual. They bring them into the stores, do the training and all that. But then there's all the soft touches such as the community involvement you're talking about, social responsibility, giving back, being part of the community, not just being a business expecting customers to walk in the door, but it's like, you know, everything from being a part of the chamber of commerce and serving on committees and up-leveling the marketing for the community to, you know, donating to the needy and, and homeless and, you know, supporting veterans like your company does. 
And then obviously employing local people, of course, spending your money in the local community, uh, sponsoring little league teams. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. But what are some of the things that, you know, your franchisees are really proud that they do in their own communities? Anything really stand out? Yeah, you know, there's there's two levels to it, actually, because we have the level that the corporation leads, no kid hungry, uh, one tree planted, the veterans, you know, we have different things that we lead the franchisees on and get them involved in. But our franchisees, that's part of what they quite honestly are attracted to pizza factories because the connection that we have in the communities with the schools and you are hiring the local kids. You know, the responsibility of hiring the kids in your community and knowing that you are probably the first person that's touching them with any kind of a work ethic and what it's like to be out and working, that's a huge responsibility. So, you know, your community is, everybody wants to be a part of something and there's nothing better when you're a business owner than to be a part of the community that you are in, I hate to say this because it sounds terrible, but you're taking their money, you're you're providing a service for them, granted, but you're also, there's a, a responsibility, in my opinion, that goes with that, that you give back. And that's just one thing that Pizza Factory has been really uh, strong about. And our franchisees are great models of it. Like you said, the Little League teams, the fundraisers, when the, I mean, in California, for the stores in our California uh, in the state of California, the fires and stuff, nobody had to ask them. They stepped up, they were giving pizzas out and feeding people and the firemen. They were, even when their stores were closed because of the fire, they would come in and make pizzas that's for those beautiful. firemen and well, the those community. Those are really inspiring stories. That's it is. Really, it, it, we got great people. About. Yeah, is it really is what it's all about. about. You know, food is a universal language. It brings people together. Food is the universal language and it's a way of healing, I believe. And it's a way of giving back and just feeling good about what you're doing in the community. And you're right. It's not just about being, it's not just about commerce and, and, you know, making money. It's about sharing the wealth, sharing the opportunities and all those things. You touched on something really important also, because a lot of kids get their start in this business and it's the kind of business that you can go really, really far without a formal education. You can own your own pizza empire like you like you obviously did. Um, I have a similar story. I've mentioned this before in this podcast, but when I opened my first pizzeria, I had a 15-year-old employee who was my very first employee that I hired, and he was a dishwasher. And within three weeks, this kid was literally, you know, closing the restaurant for me several nights a week, setting the alarm, sending the credit card batch, and he kept wanting to learn more and more. You could tell the kid obviously had a passion for what he was doing, very strong work ethic, very strong sense of responsibility. And he stayed with me for 15 years. And then he ultimately wanted to know about the finance side of the business, the marketing side. And I was a mentor to this person. Mm -hmm. And to end the story, you know, he didn't have a formal education, but he did have a fire inside of him. He did have a passion to learn. He did want to know as much as he could, and he contributed in multiple ways. So after 15 years, he had been the kitchen manager. He rose from dishwasher to kitchen manager of two of my larger restaurants. And then when he left 15 years later at age 30, he bought his own restaurant. Wow! So it's like, this is what happens in this business. And it does. we're teaching life skills. You hire a 15 year old kid. And if you mentor that person and take a special interest and not just delegate and tell them what to do, yeah. you'd be surprised at what an impact we can make on the world at large because of what we do in our businesses. If we take a special interest in showing some other 
people the way forward. So it sounds yeah. like you do that. Um, can you describe your leadership style? Because clearly you're a hands-on CEO. You know, you're not, yeah. like I said earlier, you're not a figurehead. You're not sitting in the ivory office. You're yeah. really in the trenches and you've got your finger on the pulse of everything that's happening. And it sounds to me like you touch all the franchisees in a personal way and you're very involved in your company. Tell us about that. Like that is so important in a business, whether you've got one location or a yeah. thousand locations, it really is. Yeah, it is. And, and, you know, it's always putting yourself that you're not, not on that level that you're so far of everybody else or think that you are, which is nothing ever, anybody should ever strive for because at the end we're all people, but you're right. The, the responsibility to me starting out in the pizza industry of having a bunch of teenagers is one of the reasons why we started the anti-bully program. I want to hear about that. Yes, that was, tell us about that. Well, we started that when we were still franchisees, which we are franchisees still now. We still own stores, but we started it prior to when we bought the company. And what kind of led that was I had a real problem with high school kids working for us. And when somebody new would come in and it'd be their first job, if they weren't in the group at school, they were kind of left to the side and they weren't welcomed as much as I think they should have been. And so it it turned out to where it turned into a really great program. We're still doing it. We go to schools and talk about it, but it's, you know, it used to be with the kids at work. It's like, these guys are starting just like you did. They don't have a clue what they're doing and you have the opportunity here to befriend this person. I don't care if you're friends with them in high school or when you're at school, I don't care. That has nothing to do with it. And to see how those relationships would start to overlap and these kids that come in there that maybe were in the band and the other guys in the football team, right, right. Yep. see how they would start to react and act and go, oh, you know what? He's, he's pretty cool. So that was, that was really a great, uh, a great thing that we saw happening. And then quite honestly, with as many kids and football teams and baseball teams and any group that would come into the restaurant to have their parties, you're also modeling for those people that don't work for you, that this is an, a no, an uh, anti-bully atmosphere for the adults too, because the adults would come in and sometimes adults can get pretty rowdy and and start doing stuff in front of kids. So that the no bully program was really designed to create an atmosphere for anybody, whether they're working there or they're coming in as a guest to feel that they're welcome and that we are conscious of how people are treating each other. Um, It's, it's a big deal to me. I, I, have enough experiences in my my life that I've had where I've seen stuff and it it's just very upsetting to me. Uh, the inequities that we treat each other just because of whatever it is that they have, it's it's just it's bothersome to me. So we're very proud of that program and we deliver benches to the local schools where our pizza factories are. And I go and I give a seminar or not a seminar, you know, do an assembly with the kids and we talk about being kind. And I'm anxious to get back once the schools are really back in, they're slowly getting like that to get out there and start doing that again. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a, it's a good, I don't even remember what the question was. You asked me now, but. Well, leadership um, style, but I wanted to yeah. talk about the the no bully program, because I think that it sounds like you're making a big difference in people's lives and you're making an impact, you know, you're making an impact, but even though you're making that impact, it's so far ranging. You have no idea what you're doing mm-hmm. to help 
young people or anyone really that is yeah. mistreated or bullied. And, you know, things have changed a lot since we were kids. I mean, bullying was almost condoned when I went to school, you know, no one really got involved and now people are really getting involved. And that's such a huge difference in a young person's life when they're just developing their emotions and where they're going to go and yeah. who they are as people. And it can make a real negative impact. So anything that anyone can do in that yeah. regard, I, you know, I think that's very noble and, and wonderful. I'm glad you brought that up. But I, I did ask you, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, especially social yeah. media. That's what that's what the real difference is today. Is yeah. Social media and the kids. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, such a powerful influence on their lives and all the different platforms and the programs and TikTok. And some people would say negative, some people would say positive, and it's everywhere in between. But kids have a lot of things that they have to deal with as adolescents mm -hmm. today that we didn't have to deal with. And, yeah. you know, and you're making a difference. And that's the most important thing, you know, making a difference in one kid's life and you could change everything just by that approach. So I'm glad you brought that up. So let's talk about your leadership style. How would you describe yourself as a leader, as a manager of people, whether it's in your own, um, own stores or in the company as a whole? Yeah, well, we... In our stores, um, we encourage it also with our other franchisees that, that do it as well. It's not just me and my husband, but yeah. we like to raise up our staff, especially like you said, not everybody is cut out for college. Uh, work Working to get to where you want to be is just as um, difficult and just as rewarding and should be re received as such. So we raise up our managers. We've sold three, four, probably five of our stores now to our managers. So they are now entrepreneurs. One of them just turned and she's 39, 40. She started working for us when she's 15 and she just bought her second store. That's fantastic. So very proud of her. That is awesome. And I would say the leadership style, yeah. if I were to, uh, for me, you know, the biggest thing that I, I like communication. I like people to feel free to say what it is that they want to say. It's not what they say. It's how they say it. As we've mm -hmm. heard that phrase before. Sure. And I, I really believe in that. I think that the mentors I've had in my life and the people that um, I surround around me is really what makes this success. It's not anything that um, you ever do on your own. And you always have those people around you. And, and the biggest thing that I always, in, in the meetings that I have with my staff here and stuff is, is, you know, there are no problems, there are only solutions. And whatever the solution is, it may not be the solution I asked for, it may not be the solution you think, but there's a solution. And that's my biggest thing is I don't like anybody to ever stop learning, reaching, trying to figure out a better way, another way, something. Um, I think it's, uh, I, I think that's my you know, one of the things that I do is just trying to lead by not setting myself up to where I'm smarter or better or anything else than they are. Um, I learn from everybody that's around me and hopefully they learn from me as well, but we're all in it for the same reason. And that's to, you know, in, in this part of it, in the franchise part of it, we're here to serve the franchisees. Wow. And that's yeah. every, it doesn't matter. I don't care what your title is. Everybody knows I'm not real big on titles, but to yeah. me, your title doesn't mean anything. We're all here to do the same thing. So it sounds like I'm hearing collaboration, inclusiveness, and, um, you know, just amazing team environment. It sounds like, like that's tremendous. Like, well, that's company culture, really. We're talking about company uh -huh. culture. Do you have a defined company culture? And if so, how would you describe it? Like overall, you've got a hundred plus stores, you're opening up new stores all the time and you want every store obviously to be 
consistent in terms of the quality of the product that you're selling, in terms of the quality, the experience, the service, all those things. But it's it's sort of an overarching company culture that everyone buys into, believes in, embraces, and then executes, right? What would that culture be? Well, first and foremost, I hope it's always about kindness. I like that. that. That's That to me is... Uh, you know, we, we, we could all use that a lot more. Hmm. The other is, I think it's just about community and, and realizing that the community is defined community can be defined by a lot of different areas. It's community within your family. It's community where you work. It's the community of your restaurant or where your restaurant is. So community has very, uh, a lot of faces to it and realizing that the community, whatever that is, that it is to you, that you get much more back from what you do. Than from what you get. And I hope that that's reflected in everything that the staff here at the office does, that we're, we're open to what anybody has. We're always wanting to help. And that the reward is always going to be the relationship that you've left or what, like you said, the impact. It, it's just, you know, life's just too short. You know, it's, we can sit here and work. And like you said, money is one thing. And of course we have to make money. That's, that's no right. You have to make money, but you also have to go to bed at night feeling like you did it and you did it a good way. And that you, you feel comfortable with the way you just led your life for that day. For sure. And, you know, hopefully with all the franchisees, and I know we've got amazing franchisees out there and I know a lot of brands do, but being that person when that 15-year-old, 16-year-old kid comes into your store and he's scared to death, and maybe you're that mentor that changes that life, or maybe you, whatever, you know, what, what gets better than that? And That's if gratifying. you talk to, it is, and you know, and whether you're in business or whatever, everybody loves when, like for us, we'll hear from franchisees that people that used to work from them are coming back to them now with their kids. And what better thing to say about you and what you meant to that person for them to want to bring their kids back to where they are and say, Hey, this was my first boss. You know, that that's what you're going to go someday and take with you. It's not going to be those dollars. It's going to be knowing that you, so hopefully um, to me, that's the biggest thing I think for the brand is that it's much more than pizza. It's so much more than oh, making yes. pizza. Yes. And it's, 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 it's a lot of things about it, but um, I don't know, maybe you've just caught me on a day where I'm, I'm very uh, a little more emotional about stuff, but you know, it, I, and maybe it's just the times the world, although I, you know, I guess I do feel this way, but the world is just so upheavaled right now and, and kindness and acceptance understanding and just reaching out to people that need to be reached out to is really important. Yeah. I mean, everyone works for a paycheck, but people really work for recognition. They want to know that they're making a difference. They want to feel that their contribution is valued. Their voice is important. I mean, these are all just qualities of strong leadership that then up levels the team and leads to less turnover in a high, you know, traditionally a high turnover business. So, you know, I, I find that that's really critically important, you know, recognizing people for their contributions and having programs in place as well that recognize, are there any special recognition or rewards programs? that you have for outstanding employees or staff people? We do at our conventions. We uh, I, sometimes, you know, I won't say it's every time, every month, it's not on a regular basis, but if there's an employee that's 
in one of our brands, or I'm sorry, in one of our locations, sometimes there's an employee that something's happened and we'll recognize them. It depends that it's not a structured thing like that. It's uh, because sometimes you can get too structured and it, it loses its meaning sometimes. And, but at our conventions and stuff, we will, uh, in our weekly newsletters, we'll uh, highlight a franchisee that's done something in their community. We have actually a, a Facebook page that's just for the franchisees called PF Connections. And that's where our franchisees and everybody shares what's going on. And then we have highlight. We'll say, hey, look what somebody's done. Um, so practices to, you're talking about. Pardon me? Best practices you're talking about? Yeah, not Unique even. ideas, no, not, that sort of thing? Yeah, it's that. But yeah. quite honestly, it's some of the stuff's what they're doing in their communities. Hmm. Um, so yeah, it's overall, it's a, not just inside the four walls of the business. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's overall. And so it, I, I tend to not want to be that structured where it's like on this day, we recognize this person. It's just overall. And, and to get other people to do it, if it, if it turns into where it's a, a strict, this is the time when we do it. Um, I just think it has more meaning when it just happens, it happens and you do it. One of the challenges of running a successful, fast-growing franchise, I'm sure you would collaborate, is you know, you want to find people that that recognize that the model is proven, that the systems are in place, and that if they follow as they should, they're going to be successful. But there's always people that think, you know, I can do it better, I get a better idea. So different franchise companies have different levels of autonomy of decision making where some companies are super, super rigid and you know there are lawsuits that happen because you didn't follow what we, you know, laid yeah. out was your responsibility versus you know, we welcome you to come up with unique, great ideas mm -hmm. that become successful that the, we then share with the with you know the overall company as a whole. So where would you fit into that um, into that fold? A little bit in the both. I would say that we uh, protecting our product is very important to us to make sure. And it, you're right. It's hard because and that's part of wanting to be self-employed and own your own businesses. You do have those ideas. So we welcome the ideas. We just would choose that they would always bring them to us before they roll them out. You know, it's like, do you have an idea? Let us let us do the, the legwork on it. But, you know, we have franchisees that come up with some really awesome pizza creations and we welcome that kind of stuff. But as far as going out and, and changing our meat sauce, no, we wouldn't allow that to happen. But to your point about franchisees and when they come into the system and, and maybe they have better ideas and, and heaven knows they do sometimes have good ideas. But the other thing is, is that uh, I think the missing piece for franchisees when they get into a system is not just that uh, there's all these systems to follow, it's to be engaged. And that's probably the biggest thing that we try really hard is to get our franchisees more engaged. And I think that's a problem with all franchises. Mm -hmm. There's a certain percentage of people that really get engaged, but uh, that to me is, is huge. There's a lot, regardless of what franchise you're in, there's a lot that they offer. And when you're paying that kind of money to get into a franchise and there's a reason why you got into it, take advantage of everything, you know, get involved, see what is going on and ask the questions, go to everything. Um, so that's another big part as well as coming in with your ideas, but it's, you know, that I, and, and you didn't ask this question, but I'm going to share with you Please one of the do. bigger things. One of the big things for me was when I came from franchisee to franchisor, man, did all of a sudden I see everything from a completely different side. And sometimes I wish the franchisees who, you know, could come in here and work with us for a week or two or, 
you know, ever how long, because boy, do you really like anything, see the other side of it. You don't always see the whys when you're a franchisee. You don't always see that. Uh, that's a big deal to us to show the whys now, because yeah. I realized that, that I thought, yeah, you just go, oh my gosh. And you know what else is the ad fund. Um, we show the ad fund. We give them the PL every every year. We give them the PL. This is what was spent. This is how much this stuff costs because they have no idea what everything costs. So that probably was the is a big thing is the um, having gone and still having the two hats franchisee franchisor is the eye opening of what it really is to be a franchise. That is, you know, you're bringing up lots of great points. And one of the things that just struck me is, you know, sharing the numbers and giving basic education. Now, I remember going back two decades when I first opened my restaurant, I had employees that absolutely had no clue that that literally believed every time I sold, you know, a $15 pizza, that $15 went into Roger's pocket, but there are absolutely no expenses against that. And <laughs> You know, they might have um, broken a plate and they had absolutely no idea that two or three or four or five bucks came off the profit of the next meal we sold because that plate just broke. You know, so it's like we tried to do some basic education and teach people and it really helped the organization. It really, you know, well, it, it led to sort of encouraging people to bring ideas to us that either were more efficient ways of doing things or how we can save money or anything that you see is wasteful. It's like, we listen to everything, but yeah. it really began there. And they suddenly, the light bulb went off and you could see yeah. it happen where people suddenly cared more, especially when that was linked with, you know, recognition and rewards programs that happened every week in the restaurant. And it really created what I call this dream team staff of people oh, that nice. had chemistry, you know, yeah. and we called our company culture, one of hospitality, family, and fun. Because hospitality yeah. is ultimately the foundation of our business. It's our reason for being. Right. And it's all about family because we wanted our staff to feel like family. We wanted the customers or the guests. I like to use the word yeah. guests. Felt like too. family. And yeah. everybody was having more fun because if it's not fun, yeah. why do it? So you, you blend those things together and suddenly it becomes a really powerful formula that yes. brings people together. And ultimately the guest experience is the reward. You know, it oh, there's there's nothing yeah, so. like there's nothing you like when I mean. you're as a guest or for your guest, but there's yeah. nothing when you you like when you go into some place and you can feel the tension. Yes, and you're yes, just going, you're okay. Right. Yeah. And you don't want your guests to feel that way, but you're right. Being transparent, yeah, for sure. Um, whether it's your crew in your restaurant or it's a franchisee, transparency is really, really important to be able to know the whys and understand it and, and know what's going on. Like you said, that that's typical for kids though. When they come in, they just think everything and some customers do, yeah, you know, they come yeah. in and they just think everything that's going in your register is going in your pocket. I know exactly. So that therein lies the reason for empowering people and giving them, you know, room to succeed, room to fail, bringing them up, nurturing them, developing yeah. their talents, and then recognizing them for that. And that yeah. that really helped us to have very very low turnover in our business. Oh, I bet because of you know the way people were treated, the way people yeah. felt, and just knowing that they could come to us at any time with an idea or a complaint or this isn't working, and we would listen and we would fix yeah. things that were broken. So you know that was always important. Let me ask, um, I, I was on your website and I was looking at uh, one of your locations that seemed like it had a fairly large salad bar. Are many of your locations um, full serve sit down? Are they all quick serve? Or are they a combination of both? Um, how does that work? 
yeah, the majority of them, we have, I think, five now in the system that are takeout and delivery only. Mm-hmm. The rest of them are dining rooms anywhere from 2,000 square feet to 5,000 square feet. Some have arcades. Those are big stores, um, yeah. 5, yeah, we're, we're not we're not cookie cutter at all. Yeah, we um, we allow the franchisee when they come into our system to uh, develop their business around what their town needs. We That's don't wonderful. dictate what we do. We we take what the community needs. Mm-hmm. You know, if that if that's two thousand square feet, three thousand, whatever it is. Um, so yeah, we have salad bars, buffet, um, lunch buffet. And then, like I said, some of the, you know, we do karaoke, we have uh, paint nights, we do a lot of community events, a lot of community events. That's great. So as long as the concept and the vibe and the ambiance is consistent with the overall brand, it doesn't matter the size of the store. Do you help um, in locating real estate and, and consult on locations and all that sort of thing? We do when a franchisee, usually they have a broker that assists them. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, not always. Sometimes we we have so many sites that are sent to us. Sometimes we can, you know, lead them to a site that we've already seen, but we will go out there for sure. And there's at least two of us. We call it boots on the ground because we don't do right. everything by computers. We actually want to go and drive the city. We like to sit there and watch the traffic. And so two of us from the corporate office will always go and do that. And then we either accept the location or not advise on you know what what we think that they might want to look at instead tell us about the typical training of a new franchisee that comes into you know your operation do you bring them into a corporate store is it a training location um what what's the take us through it like let's just say i'm i'm brand new to the franchise mm-hmm. i'm going to start tomorrow and i've got my location and i'm going to open it in 3 weeks or a month or whatever what am i going to learn and and how am i going to you know be indoctrinated into what's most important to carry on your philosophies as a company train my staff hire people all that kind of stuff i mean especially for people who may not have been in the business before yeah they might be successful business people in other industries yeah. and now this is appealing to them but yet they don't know about the restaurant industry how it works thousand details i call it tell us what's typical is it typical is it different for every new operator you know it's not different for every operator um because we treat them all the same even if they come from a pizza industry okay uh, the way they might have done something is not the way we necessarily do it Right. Um, again, we make everything in house, so there's a little difference. But what we do that might be uh, different from some brands is we start out with the franchisee going into a uh, a kitchen that is not an active restaurant, and they are taught all the basic the dough, the making uh, sandwiches, grating cheese, making meatballs because we make everything our lasagna and everything. So they go through each item with our food and beverage director, and he teaches them the whys. Mm-hmm. What happens if he does that for a week, they go into a, a real live kitchen at a training store for three to four weeks, depending if they have some experience, it might be three weeks. And uh, then they also come to the corporate office for two days. And that's where they do the training on uh, marketing and then also about uh, bookkeeping and anything that's related to that. They'll come here and do that. And then once they open, we have a team that's with them for at least a week, depending if we need to stay there another week, we will. We assist them in training their uh, employees. Um, and then we have what we call franch- franchise business coaches that stick with them after that. And they are their uh, their go-to guy or girl. 
and they help them uh, work towards the achievements that they uh, are work towards what they want to achieve as far as sales. Uh, are they looking to be a multi-unit? Are they looking to just sell this and retire? Whatever it is, they assist them with their goals and, and then oversee to make sure their product and everything is being up to par. You know, that's what you have to do, you know, give people as much information as they as they can absorb without, you know, their bandwidth going crazy, of course, <laughs> but if, you know, but it, again, it helps to have all these systems to yeah. make them one piece at a time, but I really like the coaching after the fact and a go-to person. I mean, that's just critical because it gives people confidence. It gives them, you know, it lets them know that the support is there. They're not just being turned loose until yeah. they really get up to speed in what they're doing. That's terrific. Yeah. Let's go to a pain point, a challenge that every business, not just the restaurant industry, the restaurant industry is definitely really, you know, having a difficult time with the labor shortage, but what's happened in your company, you know, since that became a critical piece after the pandemic kind of ran its course with still going on, of course, but then suddenly the labor crisis became the big thing. What's happening um, in terms of, you know, um, short staff in certain stores, are they reaching out for help all the time saying, what do we do? We just lost three people or we can't seem to find anyone. And now we have to pay so much higher wages and give them incentives and bonuses and all this kind of stuff, just because traditionally restaurants have not been a high paying industry and mm -hmm. we've competed against industries that have traditionally paid more money. And now even they're struggling trying to mm -hmm. find people for $25 an hour. It's, I know. it's a crazy time. I know. Um, tell us what, you know, how that's impacted your company and what's going on right now with that. You know, it's impacted it like everybody else really hard. And what we've had to do, how we've um, solved the, uh, the, the problem for some of our stores is we have had to allow some of them to adapt their hours to work around. And, and it's usually temporary. Mm -hmm. um, but boy, I tell you, we've got franchisees that are working harder than they have in 10, 15 years. They've had to get back into their stores. You know, teams were or stores that had teams of like 20 people are down to six now. Oh, yeah. um, it's really, really difficult. And and to your point, where we talked in the beginning, we're really busy. You know, sales are up. Oh, absolutely. So, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's it's like, whoa, you know, and, and they're working so hard and they're yeah. so tired. Long, long and hours. Yeah. 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 And you just sit there and, and, and I get emails and I talk to franchisees and, you know, you try to encourage encourage them as best you can and try to help them with, yeah, well, why don't you close this one day to get a break? Why don't you know change your hours? Let's try it for two weeks. And then what we do is we have once a week webinars. And so what we've been focusing on is showing them how to maybe put a health, uh, health in uh, program, uh, health insurance program in, into their system, retirement plans, different things that we found that we get different people that speak on our webinars. So we've had an insurance agent, we've had a retirement company that's come on and actually shown on programs that are not that far out of reach. So now instead of just offering, you know, the higher wage, they can say, okay, now we also have health benefits and we have a retirement program. Wonderful. And so finding ways that they can, because it has changed to your point, it's really changed. And they're looking for more now than just a high wage. Um, I don't know what's going to change it, to be quite honest, is I don't see it getting better right now, for sure. It's got to be a solution, uh, but not in sight, not in plain mm -mm. sight right now. And it's no. like, okay, what's next? We get through this one. It's like, oh, operators uh, yeah. are just so beaten up. They know? really are. And it's been two years of pain. 
and suffering. And just when you thought that things were looking up, then business started coming back in force. And now, unfortunately, restaurants out there are, like you say, are cutting back their hours. They're closing certain days because they just can't staff. And now they're losing those revenue opportunities on what may have been a really busy day. They just can't be open seven days a week or six days a week anymore. Yeah. And it's you a know, real, and real problem. It is. And then you throw in the, the supply chain issue. You've got that added on. I was going to ask you that next. Rising yeah, we, we, supply you chain. Know, yeah, we, we have issues with that. We The only product that we've really had a huge issue with as far as not being able to supply to the guests anymore are yeah. chicken wings. Um, our boxes have been coming hit and miss whether or not they're logoed, um, stuff like that. But the rest of the products have been, we've been pretty fortunate because we do make everything there. So we've been pretty fortunate with that, but you're right. The, the issue is it, there, it, there doesn't seem to be anything in sight, but you know, we always talk about the business part of it and how it's affecting people in the business, but these people also have personal lives and they have things going on in their personal lives. They've got, maybe their kids are home now all the time because there's not school. Maybe they had a family member that has COVID or that's, that's really ill. So they've got to keep going and trying to work their business and keep it going. And they also have all this other stuff going on in their life. So it's, um, you know, like the rest of us, when it was, they're not different than anybody else, but they don't have a job that they can say, you know what, I need to take two weeks off. They don't have that luxury. They have to be there every day. Of course. Absolutely. So it's, it's very, very taxing on them. Let's talk a little bit about marketing and how, obviously it's a competitive advantage to hear that obviously you make your own dough and sauce and hand toss your pizzas and everything is about quality and, mm -hmm. and that, you know, you've taken a stance for that and that's what you're known for. How does a new franchisee, obviously there are corporate marketing programs that they take part in, obviously websites and, and all those types of things, but what type of independent marketing activities do you see your franchisees doing just to get the word out in their communities about a grand opening and then building that loyal repeat business that's so important to the mm -hmm. overall success of the business? Like, is there anything that stands out that that they're doing well, that just keeps bringing in customers, new and repeat business? You know, I, I think about over the last couple of years, especially um, when COVID hit really hard. And I would think that the one first thing that comes to my mind is that the way our franchisees have supported their community was very obvious because the community supported them very well. When they saw other businesses going out, yes, um, they returned that. It was like you would see on Facebook, go support Pizza Factory because they've been there for us kind of kind of mentality. So the franchisees, just with what they do with their community, is a huge marketing tool. Oh, yeah. It's not even a You're piece right. of paper or a discount. It's what they have conveyed to their community. Now, as far as paid marketing type stuff that you might be speaking of, we have, you know, all our programs are paid for. So the franchisee doesn't have to pay for any online ordering, our loyalty program. We have an app. All that stuff is paid for. So they they pretty much just, it runs. But they, again, um, they're there for their communities. And I, I got to say for the last couple of years, um, what they've built in their community, that relationship and that trust is what is has been their best marketing tool through all this. Uh, we Of course, we have box toppers. We have coupons. They do their, their fundraisers. They're involved in all the school stuff. They do all that. They do it all the time. But it really really came back threefold for them. I think when uh, people really wanted to make sure that their pizza factory, their hometown pizza factory, you know, was going to still be there, which was awesome. 
How does the rewards program work? You know, it's it's really cool. We've just barely, we've only had it a little over a year and a half. So it's it's fairly new, but it's going crazy. And basically, you know, it's it's pretty much we kind of tried to model it after Starbucks, to be quite honestly, because I'm a Starbucks fan. Okay. But, you yeah. Know, yeah, yeah. It's it. We want it to be easy, you know. And when you buy stuff, you get so many points and so on. So we right. use that. But it's uh, and it, we've made it real easy for the guests. Everything for us is we we look at every program first of all. Is it easy for the franchisees? They don't need more technology. They don't need more things to come clog their head. They're trying to run their day-to-day business. So we try to find things that are going to be easy for them and and hopefully not too much hands-on. And then the second is whether or not it's easy for the guest. Is the guest going to be able to use this app or whatever it is we're doing? So that's that's our two biggest things is making sure because there's nothing that and, and technology is so crazy. You know, everybody's trying to learn, shoot, how to use your cell phone. And, you know, you keep throwing these programs out there. So ease of anything is important to us. But the app has been just amazing. (laughs) We are, and so is the company we use. They're just going, wow. We didn't realize how much our guests wanted it. Yeah, right. Until we got it. That's great. Yeah, it's awesome. Now, do any of your stores have their own in-house delivery or is it all Mm third-party delivery services? They do in-house? Yeah, primarily it's in-house. Excellent. Uh, okay. And we choose that. Yes. We're, we're not lucky enough to be like Domino's where we do not entertain the third party. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have that, but we're still primarily, we are in-house delivery. We can control the product. We can control the timing. And if somebody's mad at Uber or some of these other guys, they're still blaming us for it, even though it's out of our hands. Oh, sure. Yeah. So it's, it's really tough. So we, we push really hard still to do the in-house delivery. You brought up Domino's and that you know, that strikes a chord because there's a national ad campaign going right now where they're giving people um, free food. Yeah. No. Have you seen this? You order a pizza and randomly you could end up with like lava cake desserts and breadsticks and all this kind of stuff. It's, it's kind of interesting right now. And across the country, they're just randomly awarding people food that they didn't order. That's just like an extra value added, you know, here, here, there, Um. and everywhere. And I'm just curious what, you know, what, the franchisee's reaction is to that and how you compete in a very, very competitive segment. Pizza is probably the most competitive segment, right? In the restaurant yeah. business. And obviously individual communities are different. We we talked extensively about the community involvement and the give back, and that's one way of competing. But again, it's like, you've got these huge companies that, you know, sometimes the independent franchisee is going up against these national branded companies that have millions of dollars to spend on advertising and awareness and all that kind of stuff. And you really got to be scrappy out there. You got to be resourceful and creative Mm -hmm. and take all the resources that you as a franchise operator provide them. But then, you know, where does the creativity come in as well? And, you know, really getting the word out there. And that's a tribute to your operators itself, because again, they're running a business, not just a a franchise or a pizza place. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny you talk about that because a lot of times our franchisees already do that. So maybe you made an extra breadstick. We don't throw food out. It's like, Hey, stick it in the sky that didn't order a breadstick and say, Hey, it's on us tonight. You don't throw food out. (laughs) You know, you made an extra pizza. It's wrong you know, it was the guy and it was wrong. It's like, Hey, we made your pizza wrong, but here's the second one. You know, here's the wrong right. one. You made it right, but you gave him the other one. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, don't yep. throw it out. You know, That's, own up, you messed it up. Yes. You know, you're human, but give them the win. other one too. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, and then like at Christmas time, you know, and I could go on and on, but there's so many things you can do to, to reward your guests besides an app, um, you know, Christmas time or any time throughout the year, you just give them something because just because, you know, again, you know, I, like I said, I'm not into that. You have to have a, a reason or a day that says you have to do something. You do it because you want to. You know, we certainly support um, those who have served our country to preserve our freedoms and to give us freedoms in the future. And you've taken a stance in your company that you support veterans in mm-hmm. owning their own franchises and that sort of thing. And you've got quite a few people that are veterans that are running your stores. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, we do. And my husband's also a veteran of the Vietnam War. So mm-hmm. um, so we, you know, I, I know from him, his story or his journey with that. But yeah, we have about 17, I think, franchisees in here that are uh, veterans. And one of them is a new one that in Athens, Georgia. He's he's our most, he's our young veteran. Okay. Um, he's going to, but we have uh, on every door that's veteran owned business. We, we very proudly have a, we actually talk about good ideas that franchisees give you. Hmm. We have a franchisee in Winters and he uh, is a veteran and he's also a gold star family. And he said, Hey, I want to put something on here. And I said, you know, that's a great idea. So we had them all made for every store that is a veteran in it. And when you, when you go to that front door, it says, this is a veteran owned business and proud to do so. Definitely. Yeah. It's it's give them the recognition Mm -hmm. and, um, and let them know that, you know, we give discounts to veterans to join our franchise as well. But um, yeah, there's a lot to be a lot more that could be done. That's for sure. Well, it is about pride, but it's also good for business, you know, yeah. because there are so many people that support veteran owned businesses True. just because, you know, yeah. there is definitely a patriotic factor in this country that we're all proud of. And those that are veterans that have served, that have given up and, you know, made sacrifices for their country. Why wouldn't you support a business like that? Yeah. You know, there's so many of them that are still making sacrifices, even though they've been out of for a long time. Mm. And, uh, you know, they, they're, they're really the ones that are forgotten sometimes and, and are having a tough time out there that we forget about. Well, MJ, I've really enjoyed our conversation today and you've given us a lot of food for thought and a lot of best practices and a lot of ideas and just encouraged us during a very difficult time. Uh, my last question would be this. We've talked about the pandemic. We talked about the labor crisis and all the challenges that are going on. But there are still a lot of operators that have been through the war, so to speak. They're still standing. 110,000 plus businesses, restaurants have already closed. But those that are still in the fight, it's like, what would you say to encourage them to keep going? What's your best advice to operators today? You know, I, I think, like I said, because we have those too. We ha- I, I, not everyone in our franchise is successful right now. We have those that are struggling. We are not perfect. Uh, we and we have those struggles as well. But you know, I, minus I can give you a business answer and I can give you a person answer. My person answer is to realize that there's much bigger things than what what your what your situation is right now. True. And, and that the businesses I and I understand that, but it, because it supports your family and so on. But there's so many other things to try to find to be grateful for. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you, if you fail or you're struggling, it is going to get better. And that solution to whatever that situation that you're going through with your business, you don't know what that's going to be. But for me, it's just hanging in there, knowing that there's so many other people out there and certainly, certainly reach out and talk to somebody and try to get encouragement from the fellow people. Do not do it alone. 
don't feel embarrassed. Don't feel like you're doing something wrong and it, that it's you because it's not. Talk to people and reach out and get involved in things where people can raise you up and give you opportunities that maybe you didn't know you had. And that's that community again. Mm-hmm. You know, community, wherever you find it, we all need community. If someone's interested in your franchise opportunity, should they just go to your URL, pizzafactory.com? They can go there, but, you know, they can also go to pizza, uh, pizza, pizza franchises, uh, pizzafactoryfranchise.com. Okay. That's it's another website. URL. Yeah. And then and they'll find our 800 number and stuff. We can direct them as um as they wish to, uh, Linda Tanaka is actually our, I'm sorry, Laura, she's going to kill me. I just called her Linda. Laura Tanaka, okay. um, she's in our uh, our sales area of the, of the group here, and she does an awesome job of um, introducing us to, our, introducing folks to our brand, and they, they, she would be the one that they would talk to. But yeah, and, you know, even if they ask for me, I'm more than welcome to uh, take their call and, and answer any questions and see what we can do. Well, I do believe there's a lot of opportunity ahead for this business, for this industry. And despite the fact that so many have closed, so many will continue to open. And this is just one more opportunity to be aware of. So I'm glad we were able to share this with our audience. And I certainly appreciate you being a great guest on the podcast. Thank you, MJ. Thank you. I had a great time. Thanks, everyone. That was the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. And of course, we will see you in the next episode. Stay well, everyone. Thanks so much, MJ, for being a great guest on the podcast. You are a true operator's operator. And thanks also to our sponsors of this week's episode, Pop Menu and Smithfield Culinary. Please check them out. Some of you know and some of you don't know that, geez, almost three decades ago, I started my very first restaurant and it was a pizzeria. So pizza has a real near and dear place in my heart. And back then, I really saw that a competitive advantage was superior service. I wanted my guests to feel the true meaning of hospitality. I wanted my staff to be so knowledgeable about the product and the restaurant that they could deliver on these amazing dining experiences. And I always believed then, as I do now, that the restaurant business is show business. It's entertainment. We used to always talk about when the doors open for business, it's like the curtain going up and it's showtime and everybody in the front of house is an actor or an actress on stage there to deliver wow factor and give our guests many, many reasons to return and tell their friends and obviously spread the word on social media. That's what it's all about. That was the competitive advantage. So we have a complete system. Back then it was called Sales Stars, where we trained the staff on product and restaurant knowledge and to make suggestions that we knew the guests would enjoy and appreciate. And now it's available online. It's been available. We've actually sold it in 20 plus countries around the world. And other restaurants are obviously finding that they too can deliver true hospitality, amazing dining experiences, and double and even triple their check averages through suggestive selling. It's also about choreography. Our staff were so well trained that it was not an common that a busser could recommend a glass of wine if the lady's glass of wine was empty and actually enter that order into the point of sale system. And that is true hospitality. We also used to say every table is your table. So regardless of sections, which most restaurants have, 
If you notice something, we train people to notice to deliver amazing dining experiences at any table, teamwork, backing each other up. So that's all available at SalesStars. Just go to restaurantrockstars.com to check that out. And don't forget to leave us a message. Again, in the show notes to this episode, about halfway down the page, you'll see a button that says, ask us anything. All you do is click the button and you can record me a message. It could be a challenge you're having, pain point, or if you just want to talk shop and ask a question, I'm happy to record an answer back to you and you just might hear your question um, on the air in one upcoming episode of the podcast. That's it for now. We'll see you all next time. Thanks for tuning in. People go to restaurants for lots of reasons. What the customer doesn't know is the thousands of details it takes to run a great restaurant. This is a high-risk, high-fail business. It's a treacherous road and smart operators need a professional guide. I'm Roger. I've started many highly successful, high-profit restaurants. I'm passionate about helping other owners and managers not just succeed, but knock it out of the park. You don't just want to run a restaurant. You want to dominate your competition and create a lasting legacy. Join the Academy, and I'll show you how it's done. Thanks for listening to the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. For lots of great resources, head over to restaurantrockstars.com. See you next time.